Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazask. How's it going, Ben? Going great. And, you know, we have Talking Backwards podcast with us today. How are you doing, guys? Hey, great. Thank you. So can you guys great. introduce yourself? Us. Certainly. I'm Dave Jackson. I am one of the hosts that has casually watched Twin Peaks through. And I am Patrick Mahan. I think maybe more known to our listeners as the uh, super fan who watches <laughs> nothing but Twin Peaks. <laughs> And Tyler couldn't join us right now, but we'll insert him throughout the show, and so he'll still be a part of this. And here are the Unseen Players. Hi there, this is Blythe Horman, and I'll be playing the narrator. Hi, this is Caitlin, and I'll be playing Shelley and Annie. Hi, this is Diana Stavrilakis, and I'm playing the narrator and Donna. This is Chris Matthews, I'm playing the roles of Tim Pinkle and Dr. Hayward. Hi, my name is Aaron Cohen, and I'm going to be playing John Wheeler. Hi, it's Bill Abelson. I'm reading Tom and the mayor of Twin Peaks for the past half century, Dwayne Milford. Hi, I'm Robin Lynn Norris, and I'm playing Norma Jennings and Annie Blackburn. Hi, I'm Katie Rorty, and I'll be reading for Shelley Johnson. Hi, this is Bob Clear. I'll be reading parts for Cooper, Dick Tremaine, and Windermere. I'm Becky Plant, and I'll be playing Bobby and the narrator. Hey, this is John Salinas, and on this episode, I'm doing some narration. Hey, this is Julia, and I'm playing Audrey. Hi, this is Joyce Picker, and once again, I am playing Lucy and Nadine. Hi, this is Yvette, and I'll be playing the role of Lana. Hi, my name is Maya Atkins, and I'll be playing the narrator. Hello, I'm Peter Holland, and I will be playing Cooper. Hi, this is Marcel Fraser, and I'm going to be playing Sheriff Truman. Hello. My name is Detective Andy Brennan, and I'll be playing Andy Bentley on it. Oh, wait, that's not right. So, guys, before we get into episode 27, which some people call The Path to the Black Lodge, and episode 28, Miss Twin Peaks, I really want to get to know you guys. I think, first, I want to say I love your podcast. I love your Patreon. I think you guys are so funny, and I'm really impressed. I think Both Brian and I have some video production background, and I'm so impressed with the video production style that you guys bring to it. Your opening, and I, recently you guys did stuff with Tyler in the Woods and the Vortex, and you guys have a great creative talent, I think. it's You guys are really something else. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for that. A, a lot of our production value is Tyler. He's, he's really the, the glue in a lot of ways uh, as far as being a uh, part of our, our whole appeal, which is that he has not seen Twin Peaks before and he was watching it with us in real time, episode per episode. But he's also the man behind the scenes making all of the stuff look good. Wow. Patrick does a lot of the video editing, but it, when it, it comes to like really making things pop and really making the Patreon valuable and things like that, all of that is Tyler's handiwork. Yeah, we, we wouldn't be, or look as good, I should say. So. <laughs> But like, since we've, we've gotten into doing the video podcast without Tyler, I mean, he sets up the cameras, he sets up the microphone, you know, and then we kind of handle everything, you know, past that. But it's so funny because he is the newbie, but we wouldn't be uh, doing what we're doing really without him at all. You know, Brian didn't ever watch Twin Peaks, but he had the background in podcasts. So it was like, Brian, you'd be perfect for this because yeah, yeah. I've seen your videos. And so you guys are together. So I wanted, I imagine you guys don't live that far away from each other. And I'm so curious how you guys got started in doing this podcast. Well, Tyler and I live about 20 minutes away from each other, but Patrick actually lives in a different state. And every now and then we'll either have him commute down here to do an at like round table session or Tyler and I will pack up and go to him uh, schedules permitting. And uh, we we've been doing a lot of stuff remotely as well. It's definitely a different energy being together versus having to record separately like via zoom or meet yeah. however you have it, but it's, we find a way to make it work. We'll, we'll pack three or four episodes into a day and just really just get the most out of the time that we are able to spend actually together. Like when we were in getting into season two, we got to, you know, the episode where it's the big killer reveal. And that was actually like maybe even up to like arbitrary law, like episode episode nine of season two. That was the last thing we did right before pandemic. So like wow. then we just couldn't get I mean, I was glad we got those episodes in together because then yeah. we ended up doing the rest of season two and, you know, some things after that all remotely. So I was really glad with the timing of that. I mean, I would have loved to have done them all together in person, but somehow yeah. that just 
that was the way that worked out. And then, you know, we've had to be very careful, of course, you know, the last few months when we do get together and record. So it's been challenging, but fun. John Bernardi always says up to us from uh, the 25 years later site, he's always like, yeah, you guys started this for, for fun, but look at you now or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like it's something, it's just something like that. He always just will point out, you know, oh, you guys started for fun. So it's like, yeah, now we're just, yeah. you know, loving every minute of those of this so and you guys seem like you guys have been friends for years because i mean there's you seem to have a good uh comedic timing like there's something where you'll say, somebody will say something that tyler will respond funny and I oh don't... dave and i've been friends for probably 20 years and tyler about the same i've been friends with tyler for 16 years and i think i'm the mutual connection between dave and tyler i'm not exactly sure when they met exactly but yeah we've known each other a long time yeah, and I'm not sure Tyler and I are friends. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I should have pointed that out. As soon as the microphones are turned off, it's just fistcuffs. So, Tyler, if you're listening, balls in your court. So, let's begin. Uh, so, so, we've got episode 27. Patrick, what interests you about this episode? You know, it's funny. This is the first time I've watched this since we recorded this episode about a year ago. So, the timing was really interesting, kind of going back uh, and revisiting this. One of the things that stood out to me the most about the path to the Black Lodge was the ending of it. I was always just, I thought the ending of this episode was so cool mm. uh, with all the like shots of the empty locations um, leading up to the reveal of Bob's arm hanging out um, at Glastonbury Grove. I thought that was so well done and just sort of gave you that sense of dread of what's to come. Like the first time I saw that episode, I was just like, man, where's this going? Because you get that shot of the Red Room yeah. You know, you don't see it that often. You don't realize, like, Fire Walk With Me in the Returns, you get you get a much more Red Room stuff. But, like, you don't mm. get a whole lot of it. And, it, you know, it's it's in small doses, and you know, in the original series. Um, so getting that shot of it again, being like, oh, like, this is maybe a real place. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think it's real. I think that's really True. cool. But, yeah, they're, like, telling you, you know, the end is kind of the end is near. And, you know, the finale, you're, you're, you're reaching that end game, you know, the, the finish line of season two. For whatever reason, this it's just that ending is so cool to me. And when I think about this episode, Path to the Black Lodge, I think of seeing a tease of the Black Lodge. Yeah. And uh, Pete seeing Josie in the wood. Josie, yeah. I see your face. <laughs> <laughs> Roadhouse Day. Decorations for the Miss Twin Peaks contest are being put up. A poster celebrating Norma as a past queen is leaning against the podium. Shelley Johnson and Bobby Briggs rehearse on stage. Shell, I know I haven't been paying the right kind of attention to you lately, but when I saw that old guy kissing you, something snapped. It's when I realized what I had or something. And I want to dedicate my time to that. Sounds great to me. So let's try to get through the rest. And then we can discuss it together. Shelley peeks at her speech, sighs, and continues her recitation. Yes, I believe there are so many beautiful things in the world that should be admired and we should be thankful for. For example, Detroit automakers reported a record year of sales for sports cars. Hmm, I don't know, Bobby. What's wrong now? Well... For one thing, nowhere in this entire speech do we mention ecology or forests or anything. Bobby looks at the speech. I don't know where I'd put it. The speech is so damn tight as it is. But it's supposed to be about that. Shell, you're going to be wonderful. You'll win in a walk. And then we are off. Fade out on Twin Peaks. Fade up on Hollywood Insider Games. Sunset Strip. Easy street, baby just like you always wanted. Maybe a new hairdo or some signature makeup. We got to mesmerize. Shelley sighs. Apology or not, he's hopeless. That's great. In the show, they did have Bobby and Shelly talking about her, Her, I think it was at the Double R Diner and stuff like that. So this was this was filmed, and I think it's in, in one of the Blu-ray there, that they did do it at the yeah. Roadhouse. Yeah, hey, I remember seeing this. I must have just seen it maybe once. And as I was reading that, I was like, some of this sounds familiar. And I was going to say, yeah, weren't they at the Roadhouse doing some of this? It's funny just thinking back to everyone in these episodes, like thinking about their speeches and trying to make it about... <laughs> <laughs> the forest and the pine weasel and whatnot. Um, it's so amazing, like the day before the the, the Miss Twin Peaks, uh, Ben Horn just comes on. It's like let's make it about the environment, and it's like oh sure, we have one day before the event. Let's do. That. Yeah, 
Old, I'm, honestly, that sounds like any event that's ever been thrown in history. It's like, true. you know, you know it'd be great. This last minute change. Sure. Yeah. Let's do that. Oh. Dave, I, what interests you about this episode? Oh, I'm just a really big fan of giant paper mache chess piece costumes. <laughs> Who isn't, though? It's, I mean, obviously, I do love that. But with that at the top, just kind of sets the stage for the the next two episodes where we really get to see Wyndham Earl's villainy kind of come into its own. Like he's he's finally showing his teeth. Mm. And I, I really like this like sleeper hit villain that is one of those things you kind of hear about. It's, you know, breadcrumbed up to this point, but you haven't understood what kind of threat he really is because he you meet him and he, he seems, you know, very confident and, and strong. And then the next time you see him, he's jumping around in a nightie meowing like a cat man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, who is this man? But I, was, yeah. I was waiting to be intimidated. And this was the episode where we finally get a look at this man being evil and being a problem. And just, you know, learning kind of his methodology, learning that this whole thing might not be directly about Cooper. It's just a very good gate opening to the walkway that is the next few steps. And it's just, it's that pull that gets me so much about this episode. Black Lake Airport, day, near sunset. A taxi, sporting the sign Tim and Tom's Taxidermy and bearing a huge set of antlers on its roof, rolls up to the lone jet on the runway. A voice is heard inside the taxi. Straight? Hold. Steady. Oh. Stop. The taxi jerks to a stop in front of the jet. A piece of luggage falls to the runway, followed by Wheeler, who pulls himself to safety from the back seat where Tim Pinkle sits. His blind brother, Tom, sits behind the wheel in the front seat. Wheeler stares at the blind man. Tim explains his brother. He loves to stuff and he loves to drive. Otherwise, he sleeps. Well... I am very glad to have the opportunity to be thankful for arriving here. The pleasure is half mine. Tim points to the antlers on the hood. Remember, we'll stuff anything. Right. Tom shouts to Wheeler as he moves towards the jet. Welcome to Twin Peaks. The taxi pulls away under the direction of Tim's voice. Right. Easy. Oh, right again. Straight. Wow. That was... <laughs> I'm glad that was cut. Yeah, I wonder why that was cut. <laughs> I like the wackiness of it. There is a whole history, and like our friends uh, Stephen Miller from uh, Twin Peaks Blog kind of did do a post about this, a blog post about Tim and Tom's taxidermy. They're briefly mentioned in season one by Pete Martell. And yeah, they stuffed his fish. Yeah, the fish. Well, the <laughs> sizes and everything. <laughs> In preparing for the show, what I didn't realize, Tim Pinkle, he's part of the whole fashion show. He brings in the weasel stuff. And most likely, that's probably his donation from his own service. But I never connected it. They probably were tying that in. When they were writing these scripts, they would have had more Tim and Tom. Yeah, without this scene, you don't see Tim and Tom proper. He's just another Tim. Yeah. Which (laughs) is just par for the course for the series, naming people the same thing across the board in detached ways. But he's not detached, and you, without this scene, you don't know that. Yeah, you don't know that he's the Tim and Tim and Tom's Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just I now I put that together. Right. So who's Tom? <laughs> right. You know who Tom is. That's that's the mystery of the show <laughs> for me now. Who is Dave, Tom? Dave, that who's is such Tom? a good point, because how many bombs are there on the show? And Yeah, it's it's just crazy the just the the loose handedness with the naming conventions and we've that's been a huge point of contention with us on the show is just the irresponsibility of the naming but it's also part of the red herrings and the guessing games and where are the connections how do you make them i honestly wish this scene was in if if not for if not for realizing he was one half of tim and tom's taxidermy yeah for the visual of somebody in the backseat guiding a blind man to drive a taxi. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. And it appears that they did film this scene. So, and it wasn't a long scene. It's like a one minute long, but still, I guess they decided to cut it. So why don't we share Tyler, what he has to say about this episode. All right. Oh, yeah. Hey everybody. It's Tyler Mullins here from Talking Backwards Podcast. Here to share some thoughts about 
episode 27 of Twin Peaks, The Path to the Black Lodge. This episode is nuts, mostly because I am hot off the heels of finishing the return. So it was quite jarring to go from that back to the end of the original run. And it just blew my mind how quirky this show is. I never really thought about it because the show is weird and quirky, but when you watch The Return and come back to this, you're like, this show is out of control. It seems like maybe they already knew it was canceled and just went all out and did whatever the hell they wanted. Starting with the, you know, the pawn in the gazebo and the whole crew who is (laughs) trying to remove this thing is just insane. It's the craziest background action that I feel like ever happens in this show. A couple of things that stood out to me in this episode, the video Briggs shows Coop and Harry of Wyndham Earl when he was on Project Blue Book talking about Doug Puzz and the Black Lodge, which when I originally saw this had no meaning, but now of course having seen The Return, it it really feels like this ties in so well with The Return and has so much to do with what goes on that it's crazy that they almost just kind of gloss over this this little storyline. And then there's so many things in this episode that I feel like have no business being here because, of course, they don't get answered or have any attention brought to them at any point. Like, all the shaking hands, who is this crazy lady eating pie having this seizure of sorts? But then Coop has it, Pete has it, Like, what's going on? I need to know about this. And then the whole thing with Catherine and Andrew and the puzzle box. This box bugs me so much. I know it did the first time I watched it, and we talked about it in our podcast that covered this episode. Like, what is the sexual attraction that Catherine has to this metal box? And I don't remember if this comes back into play or not, but was this like an early prototype of the metal rod that they play around with in the return. Like, I don't know. What the hell? Then we have all this bullshit with Billy Zane and my favorite character, who has always been my favorite character, Audrey. I can't believe she would run up to this asshole and be like, make love on me. Give me your seed. Whatever. So dumb. Meanwhile, Pete's just standing there, totally okay with the fact that he's basically a pimp at this point. And this leads me to believe that the asshole formerly known as Ricky Horn could very well be John Justice Wheeler's kid. Even though it is stated that Boop is his father, I 100% believe that John Justice Wheeler would spawn a child like that. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but like the whole thing with Wyndham and Briggs and the, I guess, truth serum, it just seems like a lot of filler Even him ambushing him in the horse costume. Like, this show is nuts. And it almost makes me yearn for stuff like this to have happened in The Return. And it never did. It is just absolutely bonkers. Overall, this episode was just a lot of fun to go back and watch. Especially after finishing The Return. It was just this lighthearted, fun episode. And I'm able to look at it through a new lens. Which I've been wanting to do for the whole time I've been watching this show, especially since the asshole other two-thirds of Talking Backwards made me wait to watch everything at the slowest pace possible. But now it's fair game and I can watch everything. This episode is just a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for having us on. Sorry I couldn't be there, but these are my thoughts and I don't care what anybody else thinks. Oh, I think a lot, Tyler. <laughs> I got beef. I got beef with Tyler. Bravo, bravo, man. He Tyler, he did. The handshake, he says that nothing, I mean, and you can still argue that nothing came of the handshaking, but, you know, Gordon Cole's handshakes in The Return. Cat on a hot tin roof. Um, yeah, cat on a hot tin roof. So yeah. it's not it's, it's not for nothing. I had a feeling he was going to bring up something about John Justice Wheeler because he hates Billy Zane. We always bring up the Zane plane where... Audrey and Billy Zane. The worst dialogue ever. So cringy. I was just kind of like, wow, that's bad. 
but did you guys notice um because i watched it on the blu-ray mm-hmm. i said to ben when we first watched i said i said billy zane that's glued on his hair is glued on and ben's like <laughs> what are you talking about and i'm like i can see the glue line on my tv so i googled it come to find out billy zane was losing his hair and Twin Peaks was like one of the first shows or the first things he had to do where his head was completely shaved and that hair is fake. But I could, next time you watch it, you see the glue line. And you know, they could get away with so much of that kind of stuff back then too, because who was going to like, no one was thinking about HD. You could get on small TV, you could get away. Cause I want to bring up too. go back, go back to the ending of this episode when Bob's arm, comes out of you know the from behind the tree glassenberg yeah. yeah you only see his arm but then when it cuts to that closer shot you can see him standing there and the light the spotlight just comes off of him and i'm wondering like is he supposed to be seen on the t- i'm like i feel like it's you're still just supposed to see his arm but like maybe with just the way tvs mm. back then you weren't really supposed to see him standing there because it's just like he's just standing still but you can clearly see his whole body and i almost yeah. wonder if that was supposed to be seen so if, if nobody's ever heard of tyler before that was our introduction to him <laughs> <laughs> he's a good. he's a trip hey nobody made him do this he always right. likes to say that no we were not making him because uh <laughs> honestly one of the hooks for at least from what i've gathered from some of the people who have listened to our show is that second or third episode however you look at uh twin peaks when you get the first red room scene he wasn't so sure about it i, I think people were like oh well I want to hear what he's going to think of everything else. Yeah. So yeah. I really, it's Tyler's the star. He won't admit it. He's the star of this production. <laughs> <laughs> when we first started with Brian, Brian was like, this is a soap opera. And I was like, yeah. oh no, I don't know if we're going to be able to <laughs> hang on to this show. And then, I, I mean, was it the Red Room dream sequence that had you, Brian? Or? Oh, of course. That was like, yeah. I'm fully in. But like in the beginning, I mean, I like the characters, but it was very like, I guess your mind is today tv and then you go back yes. and you're like this is a little they're acting weird i don't know what yeah. it is kind of like a nighttime soap opera feel in the beginning yeah. yeah i mean i still i say it a lot i think one of the things that attracted me to the show was how well it blends so many genres um just all across the board it hits really every check mark <laughs> for yeah. me even with the return like i it was just so unpredictable i was just like it just felt like so mm-hmm. many different things even even concerts you got you got performances <laughs> at the end yeah, yeah it really it checked all the boxes so why don't we move on to the next episode episode 28 miss twin peaks you know when i first saw this in 1991 this was part of the monday night of the week two-hour movie uh, the finale and stuff happened in june and so it's weird because like in my mind it's kind of it go it belongs with episode 29 because it was i saw it originally that way but it is its own episode it's its own director it's a it's and i'm sure i bet you guys probably had it as its own episode it wasn't part of 29 right i mean when you guys covered this Mm -hmm. episode separate yeah yeah right yeah we did everything in pieces like that yeah which makes sense but i'm i've because i i watched it originally that way i almost think of it as a two-hour movie finishing off season two but totally that's how i look at season mm-hmm. three with 17 and 18 airing right. the same the same night yeah yeah so patrick what interests you about this episode uh three words contortionistic jazz erotica nice <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no uh again just i hate to say it twice but just the end the pageant the strobe lights the hysteria it's just it's all so good however the thing that gives me nightmares most about this episode, probably more than Bob ever has, is Wyndham Earl dressed up as the log lady. That, that face, like of him <laughs> smiling when the strobe lights are going, is just, no. Get it off my face. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> it's a great episode. It leads right into the, you know, the finale, episode mm. 29. In this rewatch, too, you know, I feel like it was a little predictable Annie was going to win, and that's totally fine. Audrey had such a wonderful speech that stands out. I can't help but think in like maybe another timeline, maybe she won with her speech and maybe she was taken. 
(laughs) you know Mm -hmm. i like to think about stuff like that like maybe she maybe she went with wendy merle and they went you know to the black lodge Um, when you think about it originally uh, cooper and audrey were supposed to get together that was the original storyline so maybe it was leading towards her winning miss twin peaks yeah i mean i I definitely think i could see that i get the conflict of you know putting the nail in that that storyline or just being done with you know cooper and audrey i totally get that can't help but wonder what that would have been like you know had she won had there been something there had Annie never shown up or come to Twin Peaks but it's a great episode I I said this in our original episode for this we do a segment where we each say our damn fine lines of the night and there's just this line that Andy says at the end that I for some reason say all the time Um, it's just him saying it's a map and I say it I say it when I, I say it when I open Google Maps. See, it's a map. <laughs> I, just, I don't know why. It's just for some reason his delivery, it's just Harry's so good in the role of Andy that it's just that delivery and, and just the fact that that's how the episode ends too, right. you know, because then you get, you know, here's credits like wait, what? <laughs> a map to where? It hooks you. So that stands out. Again, I feel like Tyler, you know, we're, I'm revisiting this the first time since we've just wrapped the return and it is, it is a little strange, but, but, but it's, it's a wonderful episode. I, I love how well these last few episodes just got things kind of back on track for that original run. Yeah, um, and it's a bummer that you know the schedule got shuffled around the way it did. I mean, I know the Gulf War, and there's all the stories, you know, how they reshuffled nights and stuff. But it's a bummer that everyone saw um, these last few episodes. It's good stuff. Double R Diner Day. Over by the kitchen, Shelley and Annie are sorting silverware when they're joined by Norma, who carries over a tray of freshly baked pies. Here's our contribution to the Miss Twin Peaks Gala Buffet. And I fully expect to see one of you up there tonight in the winner's circle. Dream on, Norma. Don't sell yourself short, kid. This is one of the biggest days of the year for us, and we need somebody up there who deserves that title, especially this year. Or a Palmer. A day of healing and coming together. We could use more than a day. Norma, is it true they're going to honor you tonight? 20th anniversary of when you won? Hush. If you entered, you could win today. Listen to her working on the judge already. Since you brought it up, who are you going to vote for? Shelley and Annie put an arm around each other and present the united front. Maybe they'll let you split your vote. (laughs) We have a customer. Dale Cooper entering the diner. It's clear whose customer he is. To Shelley's intrigued glance, Annie walks over toward the counter. Looks like a staff meeting of the Double R Brain Trust. We are trying to decide who's going to win tonight. No question about it. You are. You're not exactly objective. I am completely objective. Think you're not as objective as you think you are. Perhaps that's why it seems so important to me that we kiss. You impetuous boy. We have an audience. I know this violates multiple laws of physics, but at this moment, Annie, and I mean this quite literally, you are the only person in the room. Annie beams. They lean across the counter to kiss. Shelley and Norma look on, smile, look away. I don't like this. Then good it was cut. Uh, Way too upfront emotion coming off of Cooper. Like, this is not... I think it was probably cut short because this is just kind of out of character Hmm. for for him to be this presumptuous. I mean, he's he's witty still, but I don't think he would do this around this many people. I think this is Hmm. more intimate. Like, he would talk like this to Annie, sure, Hmm. but not with people around not with an audience as she puts it not a fan of this one <laughs> out of character he's definitely out of character though. yeah at the end of the scene shelly and and norma are watching and i thought that was sweet I, I think something for them to witness could have been more subtle and that that would have sold this better mm-hmm. but i i i do think it was cut just because it's so heavy-handed here and not just like saying oh you're gonna win again like we know she's gonna win because the story demands it I think we talked about this on our episode, actually, Patrick, was it seems like Annie just kind of showed up as a an uninvited MacGuffin to to be the one put in danger when the Cooper-Audrey storyline had to be cut. She's just a, right. a square peg in a round hole here that doesn't really fit the universe to me. Like, I, I do love the character, but she isn't nearly as aware of how weird everyone around her is. 
as she should. <laughs> She's put there to lead him into the mm. Black Lodge. I mean, that right. was, I always right. felt that was definitely her purpose. Mm-hmm. And then she fulfilled that purpose. <laughs> yeah. It would have been, it would have actually been pretty cool to see Cooper go slightly, you know, off routine or a little out of character because he was so smitten with Annie, but something this blatant doesn't work narratively and you know as something to put on film annie's whole role is obvious and decided and it it doesn't need to be hammered home anymore than it already has been like we we know this is cooper's love interest now and it's already clear what's going to happen we don't need to hit that nail again and dave what interests you about this episode i mean it's definitely the pageant like anytime there's a scene where you have like different displays of, of quirks or talents just Watching Kimmy Robertson tear that stage apart was so yeah. much fun. The, the whole lot of scenes really cringy, obviously. But <laughs> just like watching any, any time this happens in a series or in a film where you see an individual character going up and putting themselves on display and either really failing or really winning is just so much fun to watch. And I think it was specifically Lucy who can amazingly dance just who saw that coming yeah was just a blast it's it's the whole the pageant section is so much fun and it's such a juxtaposition against all the dark things going on around that like it's supposed to be this this levity and this fun moment but there's always that thing in the back of your head that's like this is where it's going to happen like it's not going to be during this act which is great but something terrible is going to happen here so there's that creeping dread, but you do get to have fun for a minute. Roadhouse, day. A line of Miss Twin Peaks contestants in black dance leotards rehearse the opening number. They include, amongst some faces we do not know, Donna, Shelley, Annie, Lucy, Audrey, Nadine, and Lana. Standing before them, sleeves up, a cigarette bobbing in his mouth, is the impresario and choreographer, the ubiquitous Tim Pinkle. The piano player Trudy jumps back into a show tune, and the girls begin their chorus line dance. Okay, one and two and three. Pinkle does the moves with them. Step forward, one and over, and two. The girls continue on their own as Pinkle steps over to a table and takes a large pull off his submarine sandwich. Through his chewing, he speaks. Let the mood carry you. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable and give me just a little more leg. Ooh, now bend forward, like sap in the or uh, sapling in the wind. A little further, very good. Hold it for me, then up and out. The song ends. Audrey eyes their trainer warily. You girls will need a lot of work, <clears throat> but if you stay with it. I think I can make dancers out of you. Especially you, Miss Hall. What kind of dance was this, Mr. Pinkle? A nature dance, my little friend. A celebration. What are we celebrating when you have us all bending over? Don't question the vision of your choreographer. You're but a petal on the rose. Donna says to Shelley. Later, it'll be the pistols and the stamens. Pistols and what? Don't ask. We're on stage at last. That's all that matters. (laughs) This is the weirdest thing I have ever seen. I think it's just the greatest thing that's ever happened. Once more with feeling, girls. I only have three things to say. Energy, energy, energy. The three judges, Norma, Tremaine, and Milford, sit watching and discussing. If talents to be any part of our deliberations, we best close our eyes until Pinky's done wreaking havoc. I love a chorus line. (laughs) If we can focus here for a second, I have to get back to the diner. Norma gets back to the printed agenda of their discussion. What qualities do we think best exemplify Miss Twin Peaks? Beauty and power. That's how I like them. (laughs) Poise and, God help us, sophistication and breeding. Well, I think a major factor should be originality. Wouldn't that fall under talent? Always nice when it does. (laughs) Personally, I've always been big on style. That should be enough to work with. 
I'll make up the score sheets this afternoon. I've really got to go. Terrific. She goes. Milford eyes Tremaine. Business time. Score sheets, score sheets. We're set on this, aren't we, Dick? Set on... She looks lovely today, doesn't she? <laughs> if looks could kill... Sorry, insensitive of me. She'd make a great Miss Twin Peaks. Wouldn't she just? But my vote is, of course, something I hold sacred and will exercise with the greatest care and consideration, as you well know, being a man who's been charged with the awesome responsibility of running this town. All right. I can give you three hundred, but not a penny more. Lana, as if on cue and quite possibly so, comes over. Milford signals her over Tremaine's shoulder. Hello, Dick. We're on break. Hi, Lana. Do you think you could help me find something in the storage room? The storage room? We are missing a very important prop. The mayor signals his approval to Lana. There is a, a one little interesting detail here that I, I don't remember from the show itself. It's right after Pinkle has stopped the first sort of, uh, we'll call it training session, the with quotes. And he says, you girls will need a lot of work. And then in parentheses, belch. <laughs> but if you stay with it, I can make dances out of you. Is it belch. suggested that he is drunk for this whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> Because otherwise, why would you put that there? Just right. the girls need a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's already despicable, so we don't need anything to tell us that he is. Other than <laughs> this would be to say he's he's terrible, yes, but he's also plastered. And I think in the show, Don and Shelley are in the background, and I think they're laughing and fooling around. But it seems almost like out of character. Like I almost feel like the yeah, actor, yeah. actors are not really into it. And smoking, Watch right? <laughs> Yeah, like smoking during this dance rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're like kids in school, and I right. I liken that to so Shelly dropped out of school, so she didn't get to have a lot of classmate interaction, like laughing at the teacher and kind of elbowing each other. This is kind of her her last chance to get that kind of thing in here. But also, were there no rules to how old you were to like have to be to be in this <laughs> pageant because you've got everyone from Nadine and oh, Nadine too, Lucy yeah. <laughs> down to I mean I get Nadine being back in high school but, but Lucy too it's just like yeah I don't know I, I guess there's no age restrictions not that I I mean and I'm not saying that in a bad way it's just something that stood out even on this rewatch I was just like I guess anyone could <laughs> be in this so. this isn't just high school related right this is the town pageant it is, yeah. I thought and that I think, was interesting. Yeah, and in the double R, Shelley says, Norma, you could always enter in again and you right. win because it's been 20 years since you won yeah. last time. So, so it yeah. does seem like anybody could. And, you know, it was John Thorne back in the day of Wrapped in Plastic Magazine that figured out that the pageant actually happens on Easter. So the year is 1989 of Twin Peaks, and, it, and right. he did the math of when – because every basically it's every day is one episode except for those three days after Leland's passing. The pageant fell on Easter, and it's interesting in the script. I, there's not it was no reason to do an unseen scene for this, but in the script, Doc Hayward announces it and says, "I hope everybody had a great holiday." So it does seem like the writers were aware that it was Easter, and you know they threw in that line, and then it was cut from the show. Well, that was probably cut because that would mean that somebody had awareness of what the date was in the show at any point. Ah, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Because yeah. If, if you drop something like that, that destroys the already destroyed timeline, which is non-existent. Right. <laughs> exactly. So Tyler has one more thing he's got to say about this episode, and I thought we'd share that. Oh, boy. Can't wait. What bus are we getting thrown under now? Hello, it's me again, Tyler Mullins from the Talking Backwards podcast, here to share my thoughts about Twin Peaks episode 28. Miss Twin Peaks. This is a good episode. I remember enjoying this a lot the first time I saw it. Again, another crazy episode with the whole pageant, everything going on with Wyndham, Leo. I said it about the last episode. This this episode is just, it's just funny and crazy and great. 
The only downfall of this episode probably is Dick Tremaine in the closet. I remember having an issue with this scene. Every time the light turns on and off, you can see where they cut the scene together. And for some reason, it just bothered me. This episode also had the cage of spiders hanging above Leo's head, which is the perfect inspiration for the spinoff Buddy Cop series that I still have my fingers crossed for, Ten Legs and a Ponytail. There was also that scene of Ed and Norma and Nadine and Mike in, I guess, a couples counseling weird thing, but she puts on this terrible presentation. It was weird. I still don't understand it. I don't think anything got solved from that. But we also see Major Briggs return to safety, which is a huge plus, even though they're trying to talk to him and Andy's still standing there looking at this damn map, which again, this would have been a good time for Hawk to break out that map from the return. I feel like it would have been super helpful. And I stand corrected on my comments of the previous episode about the metal box that Catherine absolutely wanted to do terrible things to. It does come back into play because within the metal box is a key. And where there's a key, there's a lock. Then there's all this bullshit drama with Donna and the fact that Ben Horn's her dad and nobody cares and it doesn't even matter. It's so dumb. But I'll skip ahead straight to... One of the greatest characters, Logman, which Bobby is really, I guess, confused about. I remember having a discussion about how this could be interpreted via Bobby's eyes, whether it's one of Log Lady's relatives or did Log Lady teleport over to this location. He was just confused, and it was just really funny to watch. I won't bore you with the details of the pageant itself or how I feel about it or pageants in general or even the fact that it's D-Day. And we find out who the father is, because what happens at the end is what really sold this episode for me with all the strobe lighting, the smoke machines, the small explosive that I'm pretty sure is smaller than the remote that Wyndham has in his hands. This scene was amazing. I loved it so much, and it really just sold the whole episode for me. And even though Annie won the pageant and Wyndham takes her, it's all just totally secondary to the cinematography that's happening right now. And then once the smoke clears, Andy out of nowhere just shows up and tells Cooper, it's a map. Well, yeah, no shit, Andy. Anyway, this is a great episode. Just a lot of stuff going on. It's really fun. Takes us right up to the the ending of the original run of the series. It just bums me out that so much of the things that have happened in these past two episodes don't really matter or come back into play ever. So yeah, that's that's all I have to say about episode 28, Miss Twin Peaks. Just a good time. Again, sorry I'm not there to talk about this in person, but I am sure y'all are having a great time without me. We absolutely are, Tyler. Hey, you didn't throw us under the bus that time. Uh, thankfully. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Yeah, he brings up a lot of good points about yeah stuff like Nadine's slideshow is so ridiculous, but yeah. so necessary. I... <laughs> I don't know that this episode would have been quite the same without that moment of just absolute confusion. Yeah, it's wonderful. Roadhouse stage, night. Cooper moves carefully through the crowd, eyes right and left. Then he pauses, looks up, and spots a catwalk overhead. He pauses to wonder, then turns his eyes back to the stage, Annie giving her speech. And to illustrate my point, I'd like to read these words from Chief Seattle, leader of the Suamish tribe. Your dead are soon forgotten and never return. Our dead never forget the beautiful world that gave them being. They still love its verdant valleys, its murmuring rivers, its magnificent mountains, sequestered vales and verdant lined lakes and bay, and even yearn in tender, fond affection over the lonely-hearted living, and often return from the happy hunting ground to visit, guide, console, and comfort them. A hush has fallen over the crowd. She folds up her paper. Wyndham Earl, now undisguised, darts along the catwalk overhead. He attaches another device to a sandbag line, sets the timer. That's when Annie's voice catches his attention from below. Earl pauses, peers down at her with rapt expression. Why have we all lost touch with this beauty? We tell ourselves the world is not alive so that we won't feel its pain, but instead we feel it all the more. Maybe saving a forest starts with preserving the little feelings that die inside us every day, those parts of ourselves we deny. 
because if that interior land is not honored, then neither will we honor the land we walk. Thank you very much. She walks off to a salvo of applause. Cooper, who has been conferring with a deputy, pausing to watch her exit with evident emotion. Once the ballots are tallied, the girls stand in a line back near the curtain as Doc Hayward speaks into the microphone. It's time to make the announcement. The winner of the contest in our new Miss Twin Peaks is... Annie Blackburn! Congratulatory screams of other contestants who now hug the startled Annie. On the floor, the crowd reacts with generous applause. Cooper freezes, understands the danger she is in. Alert, he looks about the roadhouse, determined to protect. Cooper remembers the catwalk, his premonition. He looks up. Someone is standing in the shadows overhead. Wyndham Earl. Cooper climbs up to the catwalk, hurls himself atop it. He draws his gun, looks ahead. Wyndham Earl stands at the other end, grinning from ear to ear. As the pandemonium continues below. Wyndham, don't move. Cooper takes careful steps along the catwalk, gun aimed at Earl's chest, looking out for traps and deadly surprises. Oddly, Earl says nothing, merely grins, a ghoulish apparition positioned in the far shadows. Dear heart, you are, if nothing else, consistent. As you have no doubt realized, our little game of four-dimensional chess has concluded and once again, dear Dim Dale, you have left your queen unprotected. <laughs> Forgive me, I amuse myself. You see, 20 years ago I made a promise, and tonight I keep it in Black Lodge. Farewell, I must be going. Earl holds up his arms to conduct an invisible orchestra. Then he slashes downward and suddenly the lights go out. Muted sounds of little explosives going off, smoke bombs. A colored strobe light begins flashing, exposing in pulsations the growing pall of smoke. A siren then starts wailing through the room. Screams erupt in concordance. People are now scurrying about in panic. On the catwalk, Cooper races forward, lights flashing, smoke obscuring, only to find that Wyndham Earl is gone. On stage, pandemonium. The girls huddle in fright. A sandbag falls from above, lands on Nadine's head. More pandemonium, screams. Close on Annie, her own acute fear. Suddenly, she hears a voice in the dark. Don't be afraid. Let me help you. A hand reaches out to her. Annie takes it, tentative. Once in its grasp, Annie is jerked forward, face to face with her captor, Wyndham Earl. Annie tries to scream. Earl whips her away into the dark. Cooper leaps down from the catwalk, now searching for Annie as well as his nemesis. Annie! Suddenly, the siren stops. Chaos everywhere. Cooper fights his way through the crowd, eyes searching. Annie is nowhere in sight. Truman hurries over. Cooper stares out into the darkness, hopeless. The strobe dies. Smoke is clearing. Everyone's okay. He took Annie. He took Annie. I'll get everybody on it. Bastard won't get a half mile from here. Truman moves off purposefully. Cooper continues staring out ahead. Andy arrives at wit's end. Agent Cooper, I've been looking all over for you. Andy, they're going to need you outside. This is important. That cave painting in the office, I finally figured it out. What's that? I knew I'd seen it someplace before. I know where it's telling us to go. It's not a puzzle at all. It's a map. Galvanized, Cooper stares at the unlined, boundless face of Andy Brennan. You know, we don't really ever get a Cooper Wyndham showdown. We kind of do, but we're in the Black Lodge, and and it doesn't really, they don't really get the, the scene. And uh, this could have been it, but it was cut. The Wyndham Earl, the okay. actor who played Wyndham Earl, so he's not aware yeah. of this ever being shot. I like how it played out. I don't think I would have liked them having a conversation. That seems... Mm odd i mean i get that he likes to string cooper along you know and and play with him we've seen him do that i don't know i don't know if you yeah. would take the opportunity to to kill him here but just to go and have this conversation I fool you sprung my trap <laughs> yeah right we and also, farewell i must be going <laughs> we like, also talked uh, to tim I mean, hunter 
who directed this, Tim Hunter. And Tim, if you remember, Brian, Tim Hunter didn't remember uh, directing this either. No. I mean, he. Did, I mean, it, it was almost thirty years ago. So, he, but he yeah, didn't recall sure. actually this happening. So this could have been something where Mark Frost or some or a Harley Payton could have said, "Hey, we definitely don't have time for this," and just scrapped it before the director even got it. I don't. I mean, we have a few more minutes. I, I'd love to, because this is pretty much the episode, the two episodes, but there's so much still to talk about because you guys just had a trip. Do you guys want to talk about your, your trip that you had? I'd love to. I'm still <laughs> processing it. Yeah, I'll see if I can remember, remember it as more than a single day because um, yeah, it all it just so ran together. It was so fast. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty astounding. Uh, the first day that we were there, as, as soon as we were able, once we were settled in, the first thing we did was go to Tweet's Cafe. Hmm. And as soon as you step in the door, it's just, yep, this is the place. <laughs> it, it was just, it was, it was overwhelming how, how surreal it was to be there and to just sit down in a booth. Uh, well, first of all, we were greeted by the owners who kind of knew who we were when we came in the door. Wow. Uh, because yeah. we'd, we'd been messaging saying, you know, hey, do you mind if we come in and talk to you guys? And I, I think we must have just had that look on our face of people who are here for a purpose. And we, they could probably tell from the everything about us that we were and podcasters. Three, yeah, and, th- and yeah. three of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, rolling in deep and just looking around going, wow. Yeah. I, I think was kind of the giveaway. Yeah. But I mean, they, anyone yeah, they, who's gone there knows, like, just that first moment and you get, you know, they ask you if you want coffee. It's just like, yes. Yeah. Of course <laughs> I want coffee. <laughs> Not going to say no. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm. Dave got cherry, I think had the cherry pie. I did. Yeah. I did. Cool. Uh, yeah, we got, we got to sit down and uh, have a short conversation with uh, Rachel Bennett, uh, one of the owners, while we were sitting in the booth, just asking us about our itinerary, what we're going to be doing, and uh, how we planned to come back later to actually get to record there, which was an experience all by itself, which mm. ended up being nothing like what we had planned and so much better. <laughs> right. That's kind of how, how things like that work too. But this was one of those things that I joked with these guys about like six months ago, you know, when we were starting our recordings of the return, I was like, you know what? It'd be really fun. You know, if we did our finale in the double R, like our last like episode of covering the return of the double R, like Dave and wow. Tyler, like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know. But then like got, got vaccinated. There were cheap flights. This all happened within the last, month a little over a month everything about it was super quick the tweeds thing was the first thing we worked out we were going to do something there we talked to mary reber owner of the palmer house to record we recorded our part 18 episode there uh in the living room um and then we recorded part 17 at the kiana lodge uh where the pilot was shot so we should we recorded and filmed that inside where it looks like the great northern which all of this being in the palmer house Getting stories from Mary about the return, like just such an unforgettable experience. Everyone was so kind. Uh, everyone from Tweeds to Mary to the Keanu Lodge management. It couldn't have worked out any better. Still can't believe it happened. And That's I can't awesome. wait for everyone to hear these episodes later this year. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I know. I'm and, excited to watch. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> and I'm so jealous. I mean, Brian and I went to the, the Twin Peaks Festival in 2017, but we yeah. never got to the lodge where Laura Palmer washed up on the beach. And I yeah. saw some pictures. I was like, oh, you guys got to go there. Because it, it's not near. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a little ways out. It was a long time. Our book made it. It was kind of cool. Like, people brought our book. Right. Some people got some pictures for us and things. Yeah. Like but, like, next time. Next time when we go. We right. didn't get to record a show of ours um in the um the roadhouse there the roadhouse. The, the, where the yeah. exterior was shot yeah that's yeah. great nice yeah. that was fun yeah and that's the other thing too there's so many it's great that there's so many locations that you can visit all in such a small area but we still didn't get to every little thing i mean mm-hmm. we were so pressed for time you know we did stop by the sheriff station um but the door, the door, we couldn't go in. The doors were locked. Um, yeah, that was that was the bummer. So we just, we just, we, we had just showed up. We hadn't made any calls or any yeah, contact. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and then the other, what just really cool location was going to see like Jack Rabbit's Palace, even though it's kind of deteriorating, which is super sad. Um, it doesn't look as full um, or lush as the, you know, it's as presented six years ago when it was filmed, probably. Wow. That stump is probably halfway gone. Oh, from- yeah. Yeah. From the time it was filmed yeah. to when we got there. Yeah. 
it's still Jack recognizable Rabbit. as the spot, yeah, but it's, Jack it's just Jack wild Rabbit's how... lost a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's wild how much nature has taken over over there. We got tips from Jeremiah Beaver, uh, Take the Ring, uh, yeah. for, you know, because he has that really great Three Days in Twin Peaks video, and we got some tips from him about kind of where to go. And when we got to this parking lot, which is actually right near the Deer Meadow Sheriff Station um, mm -hmm. from Fire Walk With Me, um, really like... I don't know. You just barely get into this entrance into the woods and it's right there. Like yeah. it's, you don't, you don't go far into this entrance. Well, I was surprised. I thought we were going to have to do just sort of a little hike, but it was, it was right there. And then house. Right, going to that, it was Olali state park, right? That was the name of the Olali state yeah. park. Yeah. Yeah. That was just very cool. It was perfect too. That morning it was just a little overcast because it, it rained later that afternoon, which was surprisingly the only day we had sort of rough weather. Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was just the most amazing amazing trip it was so, so much cool. fun to see to see all of that in person so uh, the super falls grateful. Yeah. oh and the falls too. i think the falls were i could have just stood there and looked at that for hours yeah yeah was that was that puget sound yeah right, right outside of yeah the snowfalmy yeah. falls yeah yeah right out right outside um, of the what was shot as the exterior of the great northern I always thought that was funny too that it was Salish Salish Lodge and Kiana mm -hmm. Lodge that there's two lodges. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like for the real yeah. names. <laughs> Just thought that was pretty funny. You don't really understand the impact of a six hundred foot waterfall until you're standing on an overlook looking at it. It doesn't mm -hmm. translate to film or or pictures. You have to be there and see it and hear it to just realize nature could destroy us all without blinking. Yeah. <laughs> So you guys have this podcast, and then you have your Patreon. I want to hear about the Patreon and and, and the benefits for uh, into supporting your podcast. Sure, I, I was gonna say like again, Tyler. One of the first things because uh, we sort of decided to delay a few months before we dove into the return. We just had a lot of stuff going on personally, still like middle of the pandemic. Uh, but Tyler had this great idea where he was gonna paint like four or five gold shovels um and put like our little uh we call it the Barkhouse boys logo uh based off of bobby and mike barking um <laughs> with the microphone instead of the sword like on the it's a mini golden shovel i should say so we did like a limited thing where only four people could get that and people signed up for it and we were like wow this weird it was half wow and half was, really <laughs> yeah, like though it's awesome, but just shocking because I it just surprised me that anyone it always surprised me that anyone listens and that anyone cares and that was really cool and I don't even know when the video podcast idea came but it was just everything kind of unraveled where it was just well we could put out a lot of content and just you know figure out a way to just sort of you know especially help Tyler you know fund some of his gear <laughs> <laughs> yeah because um, we're certainly not trying to to make a penny off off of it just I mean we're again we're doing it for fun and anyone who who decides to put any hard-earned money is is a-okay in my book and I I'm still shocked anytime someone signs up so yeah definitely very humbled and surprised always at the at the willingness and gratitude of anybody who, who signs up for the Patreon stuff, we, we kind of did it just to see if there was any interest to start with. So the, the short promotion with the golden shovels was kind of the test run. Uh, we, we now, we do personalized letters, patches, stickers, uh, video versions of the episodes. Uh, we have uh, a couple of bonus episodes on there. We did a Halloween special that's just for patrons. Uh, we do uh, every now and then, uh, not dissimilar from your unseen actors, uh, we do our own fan fiction theater where uh, I'll punch up a script for alternate possibilities and scenes. And Great. Uh, my, myself or others in the cast will, or even guests that are on, will read some of those roles. And those are a lot of fun. Um, we're always trying to come up with new, interesting things to do uh, for anybody who's interested for them. And we, we've got some exclusive photos on there too uh, that nobody else gets to see. Just you know, always trying to come up with ways to thank patrons for, like Patrick said, giving hard earned money to this thing that we, we do do for fun and all the money that we make goes towards making more things for everyone else. Like we don't, we don't pocket it. We, we use it to make things happen that will be cool for patrons. The other big thing was our live streams because people could see Tyler watching episodes for the first time. That in was real time. Yeah. Yeah. In That's real time. Awesome. That was a, 
that was a fun thing. And I think we're definitely going to continue doing that because Tyler, the only Lynch movie Tyler's seen is, is Dune. So oh. he's got, he's got plenty <laughs> to see. For oh. the first time, I don't think so. it's the best Lynch film. So, I mean, there's a lot. Right. Of- yeah. Exactly. Erase so, your head would be amazing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I, I to dive into that. Definitely want to do an erase your head coverage. And there's a few you haven't seen to too. See you guys yeah. on video and stuff like that. And I think, I mean, I already think your comedy is so great and how you guys bounce off each other. But to actually see your Thank looks you. and how you react to each other, <laughs> and you don't get that with audio <laughs> podcasts. So to have to be able to see mm-hmm. the video and see how you guys respond to each other just by the looks and stuff is so great. And so, like, I imagine you guys have tears. Like, like if you give such amount, you get this. Do you guys want to say anything about that? Yeah. So, uh, with for five dollars, get you, you know, a a letter from us, personalized letter. uh, Which Tyler, again, this is Tyler. He types it. He types it up. (laughs) On a a typewriter. Yeah. (laughs) Talking backwards. Stamp. You get some stickers. You get access to the live streams, and you know that's that's a very very easy way to support the show. Ten dollars gets you that early access. to episodes which i think gets you about three episodes ahead of schedule or so mm-hmm. um, and, and that's almost like a month and a half two months in advance before they even come out and that mm-hmm. also gets you the video podcasts you can get all of that and more for 15 that's the barkhouse boys that gets you the patch that gets you everything else and then we also have i believe for 20 you get a James or Zone mug. James or Zone was something that spawned from the Fire Walk With Me episode. This actually came from our live stream we did for Fire Walk With Me. One of the comments said something about James. It was right when James pulls up in front of Laura's house, and then it just hit me. I said, highway to the James or Zone. <laughs> and we did a little parody, Kenny Loggins parody, like kind of Weird Al style, highway to the James or Zone. So we have a Top Gun style logo with James or Zone if you want that on a mug. You can get that and also get access to everything else that we offer. Um, uh, James's forehead in lieu of the star. <laughs> oh, right. Nice. Yes, that's in the logo. We got some more stuff we're trying to cook up merch-wise just to offer a couple of different things. Um, luckily, I have a buddy who's very good at Photoshop. So <laughs> um, he helps us out quite a bit. Joey Watson, shout out to him. Well, this has been great. It's great to have you on. Do you want to plug and say um, how can people follow you? And um, yeah, and how often does the podcast come out? I don't even know. Is it is it weekly or it's every few weeks or? It's biweekly. We started that this year with the return, just to kind of give some just some room and also just to let it breathe. And we're not in a rush either. Right. You know, return's been out for so long. We wanted to let that breathe a little bit and give us time to kind of work on everything else that we have. Um, so the episodes come out bi-weekly uh you can always reach out to us at talking backwards pod at gmail.com we're also on instagram at talking backwards pod you can find us on twitter at talking backward that was because there weren't enough characters that twitter would allow me to do talking <laughs> backwards so we are talking backward <laughs> and if you want to find all those rewards we talked about that is patreon.com slash talking backwards also we use anchor for our host so kind of our home base is anchor.fm slash talking backwards all the episodes are there but we're also on spotify apple podcasts google podcasts wherever wherever you podcast we should be there you can also Google it. Well, thank you We're guys so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you, you for having us. To, this has been you great. You have to keep it going. You know, our podcast is ending. So you guys. I, I heard. We, that's we, so sad. Yeah. So I recommend everybody that has been listening to us move on to Talking Backwards podcast. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> they'll, keep, they'll keep Twin Peaks alive. Throw all that enthusiasm our way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll do what we can to hopefully satisfy some of that. Yeah. And thank you to the Unseen Players for your amazing performances. You guys constantly amaze me. So, uh, Ben, I just want to tell everybody out there, you know, we sold out the book, which we thank everybody for purchasing that and supporting us this past year. Uh, We appreciate it. We were told by our publisher that he worked with something up with Amazon about a print-on-demand, which uh, we we were not expecting. Um, we thought we were we done. Know how it works? A person just prints a book magically when you order it. So our understanding was that you know we put money up front, and that's how we were able to get print books. And that's yeah. and we had so much X amount, and that's was all we were going to do. We weren't going to put any more money up front. That was it was a limited run. Yeah. And then our, our Scott Ryan's like, I can do print on demand with Amazon, and we would get 
we would get less of the money. It would go most, a lot more to Amazon. But the positive thing about this, right, Brian, is that Amazon is around the world. And yeah. for people, before, we, you know, the shipping prices were so much more. I mean, it was... I, it might have been more expensive than the book was and stuff. Was. People were like, it's too expensive to buy your book from another country. Now you have Amazon in your country and you'll be able to get it for a much better price shipping wise. Yeah. So shipping wise, it's print on demand. Uh, so the book can live on in physical form. Uh, so we, pre- we, we thank Scott Ryan, our publisher, for allowing this to continue this book to continue to be sold because there were folks out there who said, who messaged me, I missed out. I should have bought it when I, I could, but I waited too long. So now uh, that is happening. So thank you so much to bluerosemag.com and you can get your copy there. And, and with I that being, really, again, say, well, I want to just say a thank you so much for everybody who supported us with this, that, you know, in the last year we were able to put out this book and you guys all bought it. And that means so much to us that it's, it's so cool that we were able to able to do this. Right. Yeah. So thank you again. And also, next week, we're going to kick off our final five episodes of the podcast on May 30th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're going to do a, a video of Ultimate Lynch Madness. It's our final Lynch Madness episode. A video form, a video format of the podcast will be on YouTube and Facebook. It will be streaming at 2, 2 o'clock, so we can all watch it together. Um, and there's going to be like a pre-show around 1.45, and it should be a good time. We're going to have J.B. Mitten on. We're going to have Maya, John Thorne, Joel Baco. We're all coming back for the final one. So join us uh, May 30th at 2 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel or Facebook uh, page. We'll be going live at 2. And with that being said, you can email us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. Give us that like on Facebook. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Five-star review would be awesome on Spotify and we'll see you guys next week. Shelly, I realize I haven't been paying the right kind of attention to you lately. But when I saw you kissing that old guy, something snapped. It's like I realized what I had or something, you know? And I just want you to know that I'm gonna dedicate my time to that. Sounds great, Bobby. Okay. Let's try and get through the rest of this and then we can discuss it together. Okay. <clears throat> yes, I believe there are so many beautiful things in the world that should be admired and be thankful for. For example, Detroit automakers reported a record year of sales for sports cars. Bobby. What is it? <laughs> no. Well, for one thing, there isn't anything in the speech about ecology or forests. <sighs> You know, I just, I don't know where I can squeeze it in. The speech is so damn tight as it is. Bobby, it's supposed to be about that. 